0: Welcome to the Globig Podcast, where we talk to international expansion experts from around the world to make it faster and easier for you to take your business global. This Globig Podcast is brought to you by CleverMail. CleverMail's worldwide legal business addresses and virtual office solutions help you rapidly internationalize your business. Learn more at CleverMail.com. Hello, you're listening to Globig's podcast. I'm Anka Corbin, the founder and CEO of Globig, and today's hot topic is global mobility. We're going to take a look uh, primarily from the company's perspective versus the mobility of an individual today. You know, more and more companies are sending people around the world to work, and they're hiring from a global talent pool. So that opens up a unique set of challenges. And our guest today is Jared Johnson, He's an international tax senior manager at Bailey, which is one of the top finance and accounting firms in the United States. So Jared's going to share some of the tax implications, compliance considerations, and advice on what to do and what not to do when sending employees on global assignments. Welcome, Jared, and thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Anka.
0: All right so tell us a little bit about what you're doing at I and and you know let's talk about what exactly is global mobility from a company's perspective.
1: Yeah. So uh, again my name is Jared Johnson. I've I've been part of I Bailey now for the past uh going on two and a half years. Uh I I formerly worked for a Big 4 accounting firm and in advising and helping companies and Multinational companies uh, that had uh, global workforces and help them and advise them on on how to manage their their global talent pool and all the different tax implications with with handling that uh, global workforce. So um, I've been, you know, I I've done that this now for about eight and about over ten years now for um, helping companies with these types of issues. Um, so I find this, this area really fascinating. I love helping companies that, um, are expanding globally and, and have the global talent workforce. And so really my, um, you know, what, what is a global mobility program? Uh, really whenever a company has a, um, a global workforce, whatever method they're using to facilitate mo- the movement of these employees across um cross borders is really what a a global mobility program is and it can be very sophisticated where the, the company has uh, very detailed policies on how the the company is going to treat each of the individuals and so all the individuals are treated the same or you know and i've seen a lot of companies not have uh really any sophistication regarding around uh, the it, or or really detail on how they're going to treat these different uh, global employees. And so um, really, it depends on the company and how long they've been moving employees across borders. You know, we here at iBailey, we can help, you know, companies, um, you know, create, you know, put processes in place and helping companies manage these um, this global workforce more efficiently.
0: You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of times when companies think about their global workforce, you know, the, the thing that they think about is, it's all right, how do we get them paid? But what they're not thinking about are really a lot of these um, Kind of tax considerations and other compliance situations that really pop up once you do that. So, I mean, let's let's talk about what are some of the various risks or even, you know, just some of the things that you need to be prepared for when you have a global mobility program.
1: Yeah, um, you're right. The, the companies do face just a myriad of, of, of different risks and and. The first thing that, like you said, Anka, the, the first thing that comes up is well, how do I pay this 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 person that's going overseas? Um, how do we get the you know, the, the money to them? And so just th- that that brings up the probably one of the very first risks that a company has, and that is payroll. Um if you are a company and you are employing an employee or send an employee overseas and they're performing a service in that country. A lot of times these individuals have withholding requirements in that country, even if they're if you keep them on home country payroll, um, a lot of times these individuals have a a withholding obligation in that foreign country. And so um, what taxes do they have to withhold in that in that country? Do they have social taxes equivalent to a FICA or Medicare here in the U.S.? Um, do they have other employment taxes that the company has to withhold on? Um, you know, it, it, and so there's there's a lot of the, the payroll issue is is a lot. You know, a lot of companies will say, well, we'll just file their return and pay the tax at the end of the year. Well, that isn't being fully compliant enough in a, in a country because just like here in the U.S., most countries have withholding obligations. Um, in, in those foreign countries, um, to withhold taxes as you go along, or pay as you go, or pay as you earn type methodologies in those foreign countries. So payroll and social security tax compliance are are two of the two of the biggest you know risks that the company's going to face. Um, you know, kind of a, back to your, the payroll implication too. Anka is, you know. Being an employee on home country payroll, Uh, depending on the type of employee, this is probably uh, that you're sending overseas, depending on the type of employee. Is it a high-level executive, someone that might be finalizing contracts for for the company? Um, You know, if, if it's that level of employee... You might be creating the biggest risk and issue that company might face is what you call a PE risk or exposure. PE stands for permanent establishment risk. So what that does is, if you are sending a high-level executive over that's finalizing contracts for the for a U.S. entity in a foreign country, you could be creating what they call this PE risk. Um, And what that that risk is is that is you are creating a risk in that country where the profits of the U.S. entity would become taxable in that foreign jurisdiction, and that that could be very detrimental if if you don't think you have an issue and you send someone overseas and they create your uh, a PE risk and exposure for your U.S. company in that foreign jurisdiction, and all of a sudden you have profits here in the U.S. that then become taxable in that foreign jurisdiction. Um, there are ways to to overcome that risk um, and we can kind of we can and how to mitigate those and and we'll go over those in, in just a bit, but that's one of the biggest risks that a company has. There's other issues that that are huge as well, and that is immigration compliance. Um, are you um, sending your workers over with the right visa um, you know and if you do if you handle the immigration piece incorrectly in the, in the right country, you could have very detrimental impacts. You hear horror stories of companies sending executives or employees over to a foreign country that don't have the right immigration. And a, they either get, they could either get thrown in jail, uh, which which does happen. And B, you know, maybe the country decides that, that that, That company can no longer do business in in their foreign country, in that foreign country, which could be detrimental to the business as a whole and as they expand globally. Um, There's other issues that companies have, and that is income tax compliance. Um, There's a misnomer out there on 183-day rules that if you are um, outside of... um, if, if you're not in that foreign country for less than 183 days, then you have no issues. Well, that's not always the case. And sometimes even though there might be a treaty in place to to make it so you don't have an income tax liability in that foreign jurisdiction, you still might have a filing obligation. So there's a lot of exposure there on the income, side, income tax side and making sure that you're compliant. Um, all these things, um really bring about um you know all these items are, are just really just the, the tipping point of the myriad of, of a myriad of, of different risks that the company faces. Really one reason I see a lot of companies want to have put into place a a very formal type global mobility program is 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 to mitigate these risks. That I just talked about, and also to provide their employee and workforce a great experience during the, you know, during this uh, these global mobility assignments. If you think about it, in Anke, if you put yourself in in an in an an employee's foot, you know, uh, shoes when they go on assignment, and a lot of times they're asked to uproot their family and move them from the U.S. to China or you know where whatever country they're asked to go that's a big stress on these individuals and their families mm-hmm. and so these these global mobility programs that are put into place are to try are trying to help these employees really um have a great experience and try to reduce the stress that they're feeling as they're going overseas provide them the very best experience so when they come back and they talk to their fellow employees and they're asked, well, how was your, your assignment? What Was it good, was it bad? Would you recommend me to go on a future assignment? And really, companies are saying, you know, we want to give them the best opportunity available. So they they give a good recommendation to their coworker. Yeah, you need to do this. This is a great experience for you, and then it builds their their culture within their company, and it provides their employees just great experiences overall, and you know helps them in their future development as as employees for their organization.
0: Right, because. Once you send someone, they're really your representative in that company country, and and as you said, there's the risk of them, you know, being fined or being thrown in jail, or or I guess it wouldn't even matter if it gets that far, but just the fact that you might be having those conversations would put a you know damper on on my experience certainly, if I were taking yeah, my family abroad. Yeah, around. and
1: and <laughs> exactly, and I've seen that a lot where a, an unhappy spouse will. You know, the the employee might be completely happy in their role and their assignment there. But if 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 this is stressful for the spouse or the kids, I've seen it where it's just ruined the assignment. And and so the point where they want to come back home and they end the assignment early, uh, which is just detrimental to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so really, I mean, given these employees the best experience possible is one of the main reasons of, of having a good global mobility program.
0: Yeah, it seems In like there's, there's these the risks, yeah. you know the personal risk piece, the cultural challenges, but certainly also the the company risks. And and while this sounds really daunting, there you're gonna share some strategies and things that are fairly straightforward that can mitigate this so that it isn't something that they have to consider and worry about. So tell us a little bit about that like all right so now we know we've got some pretty serious risks here um what do we do
1: Yeah so um really um the 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 forefront is, of most organizations is how do I how do we mitigate these risks because there are there are a lot and and um and probably the, the biggest risk out there is the PE risk and, and exposure, and so how does a company that wants to send high-level executives overseas, um, maybe it's a CEO uh, from one organization to another, how do they do this and, mit- and, and mitigate this risk and exposure? Um, and a lot of it comes down to, you know, the, the different assignment types that that you send people on. So um what a what a lot of times and and this might, you know, the different assignment types is really going to dictate risk, you know, that that you're willing to to do and also it's going to the different assignment types will will give employees different experiences. Um and so what I see a lot of times is if an employee or if a company has high-level executives, so maybe that um, the reason that, that a, an organization, a multinational company, would need to send expats over is to provide leadership in that foreign entity, and so therefore they need to send over some of their very best executives and leaders over overseas. And so, I, I, what I, I typically see a lot of companies do, and 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 things are cha- always changing in this area. So, um, you know, trends are are being created all, all the time with with the the largest multinational companies and the way they're handling um, global mobility assignments. But what I typically see is is that that these high level executive types assignments that a lot of companies will send these types of employees on what they call a long term assignment. Um, or a tax equalized assignment. So w- what that means is is that companies will keep these employees on their home country payroll, um, and they'll do that for myriad, you know, for for myriad of reasons. A lot of these executives they don't want to change if they're a U.S. employee and they have social, they're contributing to social security. They don't want to lose out on that U.S. social security, and uh, you know, and so you're keeping them all of their home country benefits and all of their pay is, is being paid through the U.S. And so it's very easy. But when you do that and you're sending these high level executives to a foreign country, this opens up the P.E. risk and exposure. So what a lot of companies do to mitigate this risk is. Is they 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 issue what they call a secondment agreement. Um, and basically what a succumbent agreement is, is it's a it's it's a legal agreement between the US entity and that foreign entity where you're basically loaning that employee to that foreign entity. And through that loaning process, you're not making them that they're not considered a US employee, but they're they're basically employee on loan to that foreign entity. And by 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 keep by having a securament agreement in place, it mitigates that that PE risk and exposure that a company may face. And so that's what I see a lot of companies will do for their highest level executives. Um, the the succumbent agreement doesn't take away the the PE risk and exposure, but it minimizes it. And so a lot of to the point where a lot of companies are more comfortable. With that risk and exposure, the, the PE risk and exposure, if they're um, by implementing the, the common agreement, the the way that most companies get rid of their um, it just pretty much maybe not a hundred percent, but they pretty much eliminate all PE risk and exposure. What a lot of companies will do is they will. Um, the, they'll, they'll permanently transfer someone. So basically what they're doing is they're, they're firing the person in the home country and then they, they sign them up and, and make them a, a permanent employee in that host country for, for a time being. Um, And so what that does is you're, you're basically, they're not a U.S. employee at all. They're, they're basically, they are uh, a host they're an employee of that host country that host country entity. And and so that that does pretty much eliminate most of the PE risk and exposure that most companies have. And so those are, you know, another other assignment types that the companies will have, you know, will, um, uh, y- you know, to help mitigate these risks or maybe the, the employees that need to go over on an ass- assignment are that the, they're project-based and they're just going to go over for a short amount of time. So implementing maybe short-term assignments. And so on these short-term assignments, you keep them on home country payroll as well and issue a succumbent agreement as well. So the long-term assignments are more long-term in nature. Short-term are, are a year or less in, in nature. And so that's the kind of the different that I see a lot of companies uh, on how they they overcome the PE risk and exposure is they, um, they 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 create these different assignment types and offer letters for each of their different mobility um, their mobile employees. Um, the other ways that I see companies mitigate their risk in the immigration compliance is um, their global mobility program. They basically will contract with an immigration attorney or or an immigration law firm and so they will when they when they start to send, think about sending an employee overseas a lot of times companies will meet with these immigration attorneys and say hey here's the purpose of the assignment um here's their role within the organization this is the type of visa we're thinking of sending them over. And then the law firm will handle all of the global uh, immigration work that needs to happen. Um, the same holds true with the, with a, a company that has, you know, that has employees on the tax side. So global mobility pro companies that have global, mo- sophisticated global mobility programs will come in and they'll say, well, we need to have a, uh, uh, an accounting firm that kind of helps us through these and avoid, you know, all the different, the myriad of tax issues that we may have. May, maybe it's payroll, uh, income tax, uh, social tax, and they can advise us on on all the on all these different things. And so, a lot of companies will hire a, a third-party accounting firm to come in. And counsel and advise their 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 tax group or their internal tax group or internal payroll group on how to properly structure assignments or how to you know when a tax return is necessary in a foreign country on a short term assignment, and and so these 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 tax firms can come in and and advise the company on all these. Different on the myriad of different tax issues that they face. So,
0: Jared, this I have is a where quick question. I Bailey
1: would would come into play to help out.
0: Right. Yes, I have, a quick, I have a quick question for you. So, you had mentioned that the the contracts for these different assignments um, need to have all of this really stated in advance, right? Because you can't really just send uh-huh. someone and then um, retroactively fix it, you probably need this all documented before you send someone. Is that is that correct?
1: That is that is exactly correct. And that's why having a sophisticated or or a well managed global mobility program is probably the most important. Because what I find is most of the time when a business needs someone overseas, they need it done immediately. And, and you know, it, it can't wait, you know, a month or two, three months until everything's ready. And so a lot of times a company will, will a business will notice a need and they're like, they identify a person. They say, I need that person over there right now. They put them on an airplane and they're over there. And that's usually the wrong way of of approaching it.
0: Right. Um, well, we just came but back from you the- because
1: they need it. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. sorry.
0: Yeah, we just came back from the UK. And one of the things that uh, they were sharing with us is that if you do that and you send someone over and they're just in the middle of it and you get the wrong visa type or you don't have the right contract in place, you can't fix that very well. There's a really good chance that it's already, you know, a really big deal for you to back, back out of that and then do it correctly. So even though they have to do it fast, they definitely need to talk to a company such as yours, get this done in advance. Or, I mean, I think this is really one of the bigger challenges from what I see companies facing.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's what companies are facing is, is global mobility programs need to be visible within the organization. Um, So when a business manager has a need for someone, they know immediately who to reach out to. Say, hey, I've I've already identified this person. I need them in this country and I need them there by this time. What do I need to do to do this? Mm -hmm. And then the company will do all the due diligence with the immigration, the tax. Okay, we need to set up, you know, this is a high level executive. So we need to set them up on shadow payroll in that foreign country. We're going to pay them out of the United States but they're going to have a U.S. filing obligation or a a host country withholding obligation so we need to set up a shadow payroll so we we have all these pieces that need to come together and they need to come together in a really quick manner and so that's why having someone identifying someone within your organization to manage that and to make them visible and to communicate that throughout your organization saying hey if you're a business manager and you need to send someone overseas, you do not put them on a plane first thing and just get them out. You need to coordinate that that first with this global mobility manager who's going to make sure that everything is done properly. Um you know, and if you think about how many different aspects there are to sending someone overseas, you know, you have you have all these issues. You have the tax issues, you have the immigration issues. You have all these business issues, but then you you think about it from the family standpoint. If you want to give them a good experience, you have the relocation issues. Mm-hmm. How? Who am I going to use to move all their household goods? Who am I going to use to ha- help to ha- you know to help them find a house in that foreign jurisdiction for their family? Um, who am I going to use to help them find a school to put their kids in? in in the proper schools over there to give them a good education, you know, to give them a good experience. And so there's all these different myriads of issues and well-run global mobility programs have, you know, they, they have a relocation, a global relocation provider that can provide them with all those relocation services. They have the tax firms that can help them with their global tax issues. They have the immigration firms. And then it's just, doing the due diligence with all those different groups and all those different players. And, and usually, I mean, I can, I see people, you know, UI companies, they, they get their process so refined that, you know, they can have someone overseas um, on the ground working and, you know, within a few, you know, within a few weeks and um, you know, on, on very well-run organizations.
0: That's what I was going to ask. All right, so how quickly could someone do this? So that's realistic. Yeah. Right? I mean, between someone packing up their suitcase and getting a flight, that's yeah, that seems exactly. to be doable.
1: And, yeah, and sometimes the families follow later, but really the, the thing, the bottleneck that the that everyone has, and that's on the immigration side, and making sure that right visa is processed on time, and how quickly that can be processed or approved. You know, because I mean, a lot of times most people are waiting for that visa to be approved. And then, as soon as it's approved, they're they hit the they hit the door, running.
0: Yeah, I mean, we actually see a lot of companies where they're really just going over there on a visitor's visa and they're starting that process. And that is a pretty dangerous way to do that because there's a really good chance you aren't going to get the visa then if you're already in the country or not complying. And so, just be very cautious in how you approach that.
1: Exactly. Uh huh.
0: Well, so obviously there's some risk here, and it sounds like there's some really good ways of mitigating this. A company such as yours, so let's say they don't have a, a department that's doing this, can an i Bailey do the soup to nuts for them and get this prepared? Do you is that something that they can contact you for? And because I think a lot of companies we see, they're they are fast growing startups. They're not necessarily they haven't built out a, an HR department or a mobility department or, you know, really any of those services yet.
1: Yeah, most definitely we can, we can sit down and help a company think through the process. Some of the things that a company needs to first figure out is uh, we can't, we can't provide all the answers um, and w- w- we can provide them solutions to everything, but there's certain, I guess what I'm trying to say is there are certain things that a company needs to determine on their own. And that is, and some of those things might be, I am I sending people overseas? Is it to provide great experience for my um, for my future leaders of my company? And they need to have that global experience in order to grow and progress within the company. And if that's the case, then maybe cost is not an issue on on the on the different types of assignments, and and maybe what I I need to take a step back after I, I talk about this and talk about the the three different assignment types I talked about, and maybe talk about the different costs of of those assignments because that's a that's a big factor on how companies want to move people is is cost, mm-hmm. and um and so really the, these companies um you know they they probably need to answer well. Am I sending these to give them great experiences? Because if so, then cost may not be the, the determining factor. Okay. Is it more project based? Is it someone that there's a whole bunch of employees I have that have this specific skill set that I need to send over overseas because they have this specific skill set, but I can plug them in because there's, we have various employees that have that same skill set. And, and so and maybe they're not the the management. Maybe they're they're mid level management or, or 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 something lower. And so it's it's you know maybe cost is more more of an issue then. And um. And so a lot of companies need to you know. And is it important that these these employees are treated well? Is it is it is it important that they that they're given you know really good benefits? to encourage them to go on assignment. You know, what kind of benefits or or offerings do you want to offer these employees, you know, to go on assignment in order to encourage them. And so a lot of these things, that's what the company needs to really kind of answer first. And then we can, you know, then once you kind of know the answers that we can come in and we can say, okay, maybe you have a mixture of of different employees. So maybe you want to have different assignment types. Maybe there's two or three different assignment types that you, you want. We can help a company establish policies um, on how to treat them from a tax perspective. We can help them with the, uh, all of the tax issues here at Ide Bailey. We can also help them with creating the offer letters that they give to the employees to sign. Uh, the contract you know, to go on this international assignment, so there's a lot of things that we can help them do, but it really comes down to first, they need to figure out well what's important to the company, what's that company culture that they need and and then once we know that, then it's easier to kind of help um, them you know establish a, a good global mobility program.
0: yeah, I want to put a plug in that an offer letter here in the United States while it's an important part of the process it is an absolutely critical part to get that right based on the different laws of a different country. And it is such a big deal to get that offer letter right and definitely do not use your US offer letters for someone going overseas because that is, you're already non-compliant and chances are that's going to be a massive red flag from the beginning. So when you've got all these assignment types, what is the biggest risk for a company?
1: Well, the, the, one of the things that most companies and what they're finding is, is those, those traditional long-term assignments I spoke to earlier about sending, you know, that, that you would, you keep an individual on their home country payroll and then you tax equalize in them. What tax equalizing means is you're basically offering to that employee that they would pay no more tax than they would have paid had they, had they not gone on foreign assignment. So a lot of times these employees to get them to go that you, you give them a house in that foreign country they can live in and you can, and then you offer them maybe a car. Um, if they have a family and they, you know, you need to put their kids in a school, maybe it's a private school over there, uh, in that foreign country. Um, maybe a cost of living allowance because the cost of living in that foreign jurisdiction is higher than where they were in the United States. So there's a lot of times a, a what they call a COLA or a cost of living allowance. And so there's, um, you add up all these benefits and because the company's paying these benefits and the taxes on these benefits on the employee's behalf because they wouldn't have received these had they not gone on assignment. So the companies agree to pay the tax cost and pay all the costs to send them on assignments. The IRS sees this as a taxable benefit to the employee. So all of these items then become compensatory and included on their Mm W-2. So you can automatically see that the cost, I mean, if you think about it, not only is it, the US taxes that they're paying on these, but it's the foreign taxes and they're, they're paying all of the companies are usually paying or on tax equalized assignments are paying all of the tax costs um, in that foreign jurisdiction. So if you think about it and you start grossing up all of these benefits that the employees are receiving and you put that on their US and on their foreign pay, you can see that the cost of these assignments these tax equalized assignments are very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times um, the general rule of thumb is, is that a tax equalized assignment generally costs a company um, anywhere from two to five times that person's salary, annual salary. And so you can see that when a company sends someone on a long-term assignment and they're tax equalizing them, they're really investing that person's future. Uh, because right. of the cost is so high. And so that that's one of the and so what what do companies do when they, they they need to mitigate that PE risk and exposure. So it, but if they're not willing to pay those high tax costs, so what I see a lot of companies are doing is they're saying they're offering more of their employees, well we're just going to permanently transfer you to this mm-hmm. foreign jurisdiction. And so um, because then we don't have to pay all these benefits and then they're on their own and they have to pay their own taxes in the U S and in that foreign jurisdiction. So there's a lot of the, the employee isn't getting the better, the great experiences that, that a tax equalized employee does. Uh, but it's much more cost effective for the company. Another w- way that uh, companies will mini- minimize their cost of assignments Um, and yet keep them on U.S. payroll and and somewhat tax equalize them is just send them over for shorter periods of time. So maybe it's a short, maybe it's a six month assignment rather than a a two or three year assignment. And so. um, So um, the short term assignment would then come into play and you would still have a common agreement. You keep them on U.S. payroll, but they're only there for six months rather than several years. And so that, that's kind of what a lot of companies look at is a lot of them are looking at, at the cost of these assignments and they're figuring they're more and more companies are being creative in the way that they offer these um, assignments in order to be more cost effective.
0: You know, one of the things I see a lot, and, you know, let's talk a lot about that too, is, is not, uh, not actually assigning them to stay over there at all, but having just frequent business travel, right? Just going over more often and, Let's talk a little bit about is that okay? Are there different risks that are coming about when you do that? And how often can you do yeah, it? And yeah, that,
1: that that's a great question. And um it, it, it's it's completely fine to do it, um, but you do have you have several risks that a company needs to look at. And and A is, is the the nice thing about these other programs is they're formal programs. You have them sign a contract. The company knows about them, right? So they have all these myriads of of risks out there. But if they're in one of these different assignment types, they know that those risks are being mitigated because they're aware of them. They have them on assignment. They're that, you know, someone's watching over them and, and making sure everything's taken care of. The risk with a f- frequent business traveler is, is they're not part of a formal program. And kind of flying under the radar. Um, the the risk there, the, the probably one of the bigger risks there is, is is immigration. Well, on these frequent business travelers, what kind of a visa are you getting them? And do they have? And and so that's probably one of the biggest risks. And that's something ID Bailey doesn't offer uh, immigration services. And and uh, you know you can't practice law and accounting you know, in the United States. So that's something you would definitely want to consult with, with your, your uh, immigration attorneys. If you do have a a frequent business traveler population, probably the, the biggest challenge that companies have, um, is getting their arms around and identifying who are your frequent business travelers. And, how do you identify how long they're spending in those countries? Because depending on how long they're spending in those countries is going to determine what kind of a, of tax compliance risk and exposure they have in those foreign countries. And so really you can, and and I do see, I do see companies have basically a, a, an assignment type that is that covers frequent business travelers. And they just, they treat them just like a, a short-term business traveler um, a lot of times, and they, but they, they identify them up front, and then every year they go in and they, they identify, well, how many years did you have in each country? Do we have a filing obligation in those countries? And so it's really just identifying them and keeping track of them, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges a company has is how to keep track of their travel days in those foreign countries.
0: So are Do the countries consistent? Are countries very consistent, or tell us like um, how what are some of the triggers? Is it uh you know, I know we talked about the one hundred and eighty three days or what are yeah what, what are some of those triggers, if you will? like when are you kind of asking for trouble
1: <laughs> yeah, and it it's hard to say just pinpoint a, a number for any country, really if you're spending one day in a foreign country and working in that foreign country, you're generating taxable income in that country. And so the, the technical answer is, is, well, if you're spending one day in a foreign country, you're, you're kind of on the radar and you, you ought to be, you ought to be talking to someone and making sure that you don't have a filing obligation. That seems very impractical, very impractical though. Um, not very practical for companies that that have business travelers. So I, I do see from a practical solution companies identifying kind of their own level of risk and what they, they want. And it might be from country to country, because if you look at China, I think if you go over 90 days, um, you, you could be generating taxable issue, uh, you know, taxable presence there. Um, if you, if you, um, basically a residency in that country. You, you might have taxable compensation regardless, but you're, you're establishing residency after 90 days, whereas you might be re- considered resident in another country after 183 days. And then there's a lot of tax treaties that the U.S. has with other countries, and that's where the 183 days comes in a lot is because a lot of the treaties, that's where a lot the 183 days verbiage comes into play so it really depends on the country it depends on the company and the level of risk that they want to that they want to manage to and um but really um r- really the technical answer is, is if you're spending one day in a foreign country you should be looking into any tax obligations or filing requirements you have in that country
0: and we're talking cumulative, not consecutive, right? So if someone's in and out and, uh-huh. they're, and they're doing certain things, then you could be risking that you need to establish or, or that you automatically will have an entity there and that you will be taxed.
1: That is exactly right, and that's where I see a lot of people getting hung up on the treaty. Mm-hmm. Is well, if I'm if I'm not there 183 days and I don't have any filing obligation, I don't have anything. Well. A lot of the, A, does the U.S. have a treaty with the country that you're going to? Because they don't have a treaty with every country. Um, B, well, if you read the verbiage of that treaty, because the treaty might say 183 days during the calendar year, or it might say during any rolling 12-month period, Mm. which could be a big issue. I've seen a lot of companies kind of fall down. Well. They're not, they, they spent 183 days in this country over any 12 month period, but they didn't do it over a calendar year. So they didn't think they had a filing requirement, but they, in reality, they did.
0: Right. So best to talk to treaty. your accountant, talk to someone with international experience, yeah. such as your team over at iBailey. Any way that, exactly. what, what are some resources that you could provide? Are there some things on the iBailey website? How can people learn a little bit more just so that they feel uh, a little more confident in their decisions
1: well um yeah we do have we do have a lot of information out on the iBailey website that you can access um, i um, it, you can find a lot of that information under the you know under the individual aspect of because this really does a lot of the tax compliance. Areas that does fall under the individual, and so it's it's usually done either a global mobility or individual taxes on the international website. Um, you can also really what I like to do is if you feel like you have an issue, and um, or or you feel like you know you need to improve your your global mobility program, and you know you need to uh, build in better processes to to, in order to mitigate some of these risks, then what I like to do is I like to sit down and, and have a, a, a one-on-one conversation with you where I can understand your, um, y- your situation. And I can, ask, I, I like phone conversations cause it's, it's two way. I can, it, you know, someone can give me all the information and then if I have follow-up questions, I can get that follow-up, um, you know, a follow-up response right away and you know, and, and you can you can be v- much more interactive that way. So I like to have a, these one-on-one conversations with companies and with global mobility managers, and try to figure out where where are they at currently, uh, where do you feel like your risks and your exposure is, what type of assistance do you need? You know, what what do you need from us? Um, we can through our h through our affiliation with HLB International. We can help companies if they're sending expats to China. We can do the U.S. return here at iBailey and then we have affiliate firms who can do their tax returns in China. Um, uh, maybe China is a bad example because a lot of times it, it's handled through payroll. But in the U.K., we can help with our U.K. tax filing obligation. We're in over 120 different countries. So we can pretty much do your tax return in any country that that, that, uh, a multinational company is going to. So that's great advice.
0: Yeah. So everyone listening, you know, take Jared up on his offer. Talk to him. Let's have you kind of review your situation and and just make sure that you are compliant and that you don't have the significant risk out there and figure out how to put something together, not just for yourselves, your company, but also the individuals going over because it is a, a really daunting task if it's not prepared. Um, Jared, how might someone reach you best? And, um, then we'll also put this information on the description so that everyone can reach out.
1: Yeah, pro- probably, the, the very best is just through my email. Um, Jared dot Johnson at i Um, I can, you can also reach me. Um, I'm located in Salt Lake city. Um, and you can reach me by telephone at at um, 801-456-5452. And so you can re- you know reach out to me anytime, and I I can I, I work with people all over the world. So if you're if you're in a foreign country or if you're um, I I can work my schedule around yours to make a time work to have a conference call, uh, you know, with you to you know to go over you know
0: your situation. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the generosity of your time and your insights. So everyone, this is Ankur Corbin with Globig. Uh, We had just a great podcast with Jared Johnson from Bailey. Join us next time for another interesting podcast on international expansion.